we want to be honest, if you want to go through the Leon Rose moves since he's got to town, there aren't many misses on there. If we're being completely honest, nobody on the roster on a max deal. People were up in arms about Brunson's hundred million. That looks like an absolute bargain at the moment. Listen, you get connected to players that are around the team. Of course, I myself personally really loved IQ Emmanuel quickly. I thought he's a great guard. I'm happy to see him get some more minutes and some starting time. But that fit with Brunson seemed like it was going to be tough. They weren't going to extend him. Tibbs didn't feel like it could work, so it was time to move on. They immediately uh, give the Deuce McBride the extension. I think he's going to be the the new quickly and play that same role off the bench. They got him for a very cheap deal, but the the trade has absolutely been lights out. They're back to playing defense. They're number one in defense over the five-game stretch since the trade happened. Number one in defensive rebounding since the trade happened. So they're back to their Tom Thibodeau roots playing defense first, that being the backbone. And then, of course, Julius and, and Brunson can handle the scoring side with a couple other buckets here and there from guys like OG and the rest of the gang. So it's very exciting time right now. The vibe is high at the Garden for sure. <laughs> vibe is definitely high. And OG Ananobi had a good score tonight too, Sean. I think that there's a, a misconception in the NBA, or maybe it used to be the case, and now it isn't anymore. And I want to get your thoughts because everybody is saying the Knicks just need to go out and get a star. Does this finally put them in the situation where they're attractive enough for a star to go? But what we're seeing is teams that – go after stars it doesn't usually work very well it's like to me the type of uh girls or guys that only want louis vuitton just because it says louis vuitton even if it's from canal (laughs) street even if it's like a terrible handbag like what do you think about the the knicks just moving with role players instead of going star hunting yeah, it depends what you want to see out of the Knicks if you're a Knicks fan. If you're cool with them competing as being a staple top three, four team in the East, then you can continue as is and keep rolling out this same roster. If you want them to potentially compete with the Celtics to win the East either this year or next year or the year following, then I believe they do need another big, big-time piece. Like, listen, guys. The NBA is not the NFL. We know that for fact. There's really only a few teams that actually have a real chance to win the NBA title. And if we look at the East, it's it's a few teams. Can the Knicks beat the Boston Celtics right now over seven? I don't think they can. I don't think they have enough. And I, and I am completely plugged in and love what the Knicks are doing right now. I just don't think they have enough. And I think a vast majority of people would agree with me on that. But if we're talking about com- competing for a title – think they're a little short, just like a lot of teams across the league are a little short. But Trista, you mentioned one of the key things for me. They make they have made themselves very, very attractive at the moment that, hey, we're going to play D. We got guys that play hard. We got guys that are going to rebound. And we're just missing one specific piece. That's also why I was just big on Donovan Mitchell working in Cleveland. I'm like, all they need is a bucket getter they go get one, they can really compete in the East. And it just hasn't worked out that way. Mobley, Allen, and the rest of the gang haven't developed into that dominant down-low force that a lot of people, including myself, thought. So it's interesting. If you're if you're a guy that just wants the Knicks to compete and actually be relevant, you could continue as is. If we're talking title, 
one more move, I believe, needs to happen before they can actually win the East. And now it looks like Toronto, Sean, is going to move on from Pascal Siakam, which is something that's been a long time coming on the other side of that trade. They've been flirting with Sacramento. Sacramento doesn't want to give them Keegan Murray. Shocker. Pascal Siakam is telling everyone he's going to test free agency. What do you think happens with Pascal? Yeah, it's a good question because similar to the, the, the conversation we just had about the Knicks, I've talked to a lot of Miami Heat guys and insiders, and it's like if we just had another piece, I think one of these conference finals, finals trips could have resulted in a title, right? They had they have the, the consummate role player type situation with elite coaching. Guys know what they're supposed to do. They know their role. They know their identity. And that still wasn't enough to get a title. Now, if we start talking about Pascal, he could be that missing piece for a team like Miami, for a team that's up there towards the top of the West or the East. It's I, I've, been just, I've been trying not to drive myself crazy on possible landing spots, especially for or for Pascal because this has been going on multiple years now. But he could definitely help and be a, a very versatile piece that could slide in to a lot of different situations and impact them a lot of, a lot of different ways. Sean, we're getting to that point now. We're starting to, like, it's more than just talk and rumors with trades. Like, teams are starting to get more serious as we get closer and closer to the deadline. And we kind of gotten a bigger sample size, and teams can look and say, like, oh, this is a major issue for us. Like, we've got enough there where teams are going to start to get more aggressive. Who are the teams that you look at? Miami, obviously, one of them, if you just mentioned that. Who are the teams that you see as, all right, they're going to be really pushing for something at the deadline here? Yeah, Miami's definitely one. I believe the Lakers is another one that seems like something has to get shaken up over there. And I believe really pay attention to a lot of what these superstars are saying, whether it be a quote, whether it be how they're acting on the bench, whether it be a post-game press conference. LeBron James just flat out saying, like, the way this roster is constructed currently, it's not going to get it done for us. And over the years, Giannis has said a lot of similar stuff out of Milwaukee. And very clearly said, hey, okay, Dame is now in town. We'll do the two-year thing. I'll give this a two-year type of experiment. And then I may be potentially trying to see myself in a different situation. So I do believe the Lakers are going to be active. I believe the Miami Heat are going to be active. I want Philly to be active the way Joel is playing. I think they could use some additional help as well. Those would be the top three, I would say. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Uh, I, I do want to get your thoughts on the Clippers because I feel like we're all wondering is this team for real uh, Kawhi's playing lights out he did get injured Paul George at the peak of his powers Harden looks like you know regular season Harden which is pretty good and the role players are playing well like do you trust the Clippers yet yeah I do you got listen man you gotta give James Harden you can't just hate on James Harden alright we know it's easy to hate on James Harden Regular season, James Harden. He likes to party. He has fun. And he gets to the playoffs. He doesn't show up. But, man, outside of that beginning stretch with the Clippers, when he first got to town and they were getting adjusted, they have been playing really, really well. And James Harden has been playing great basketball. And Kawhi and PG, for the most part, have been on the floor. I do trust them. I think they're a very solid squad across the board. You know, Trista, you know I'm a huge Norman Powell fan. I love Norm. I love Terrence. They have a lot of guys across the board that can impact. I do believe in the Clippers in the West because Denver, depending on the night, 
when they feel like playing and get going, of course, they're up there with the best of them. But I, 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 they seem very streaky and spotty to me in a lot of situations. Golden State's obviously not in the mix. The Suns are not in the mix. That's a disaster at the moment. So, yeah, I truly believe in the Clippers in the West. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to look. We, uh, we've got all these teams at the top of the standings in the West. We were talking about this earlier, Sean. It's like Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, teams that were all built through the draft, young talent. They, they groom those. It's almost like these super teams maybe don't work the way that we thought they would. But it's funny because we thought that the Grizzlies were going to be that team a couple of years ago. And then we've obviously seen all the issues, whether it's off the court or on the court with injuries with John Morant. So John Morant, that news kind of just like shocked the NBA yesterday that he's out for the season. Yeah. We now look at that draft where you got Zion going one, John Morant going two, both dealing with a lot of different injury issues, maybe some other stuff off the court, some little worse than others, uh, you know. But, like, it just feels like these were two names, two faces that were supposed to be the next faces of the league. Who are you more concerned about in terms of just injuries and the future there? Like, I, I feel like I still lean Zion just because of the weight and it just – but at the same time, the way John Morant plays – it kind of be reckless and he crashes to the court and he gets hurt like this. Like both of them. I just, I have a lot of concerns about just what their future can be given all this stuff. Zion Williams for me, and it's not close. John Morant showed clearly he couldn't wait to get on the floor. And when he got on the floor, he was incredibly impactful when he was playing. The labrum is a, is a difficult injury. As, as we know, we, it was, it's a really hard to even pinpoint where the Morant injury happened. It was over a couple games. Then in practice, he was stretching and ends up popping out. Then they go and get an MRI. It's confirming it's a labrum. So I am not concerned about John Morant when he plays. He goes to the cup. He does play uh, a tougher a tougher game. He's on the floor a lot. But the reason he wasn't on the floor more than not is not because of injury. It's because of the off-the-court incident, and we know what happened, right? So when he's on the floor – he plays ball and is extremely impactful and the Grizzlies look like an actual basketball team again and I feel bad for job because you could tell how clear it was clear that he was so happy to be back on the court focused on ball and playing ball with his guys and now he has to go back out on an injury he's going to miss the rest of the year big mental grind for John Morant so I hope 12 grinds it out and gets back but the Zion Williamson stuff goes back multiple years now even back to the the, the draft when there was reports coming out where he never wanted to go to New Orleans. It wasn't he, that's not a place he wanted to play ball. Then he gets there. He's dealing with the weight, the off the court stuff with his family, and that stuff leaking in, in into the sphere, into the internet. And we had the thing where they asked Zion if uh, he was going to come back and play last year, and he was saying Zion. When Zion feels like Zion, Zion will come back and play. So there's a lot of different stuff going on with Williamson. Clearly, when he's on the court, he's a big problem, but he's not in shape like he should be. And um, I have a, I, I trust, how about this? I trust John Moran a lot more when he's on the floor than I do when Zion Williamson's on the floor. We can't have you on, Sean, without talking about the Chicago Bulls. I need to know, I have a theory that when Zach Levine is on the floor, he's obviously quite skilled. He's a good player, but that he's always been so good technically and skill skill wise that each individual possession is meaningless to him and so that spreads like not cancer in a toxic cultural way but like a basketball carrying cancer because when he's on the floor they just really struggle to win games and since he's been injured i know he came back last night but they were on fire 
Why do you think they won so much without him? Yeah, there was a stretch where they were 10 and 6 over 16 without him. To be completely honest, I've heard some reports. I've talked to a couple people deep down. I believe there's there's tons of stuff going on with him versus Billy Donovan. That relationship isn't the healthiest. And on the court, he's just tough to play with. And it reflects on the body language of the other players. It reflects with a lot of different things that you see on a night-to-night basis in a possession-by-possession possession type of thing. I also think an outlier, too, early on that kind of eroded the overall situation was Zach Levine was there to be the man. Let's go. Let's rewind a little bit. Zach Levine got to Chicago and wanted to prove to everyone that he could be the man on the team. He does that. He proves that. He goes to the All-Star game. He becomes an All-Star. Then DeRozan comes to town, and DeRozan is just an overall more clutch, better player down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And there was headbutting about that. I feel like I should be closing the game. I feel like I should be closing the fourth. DeMar DeRozan was the guy that was doing that and was doing it very well for the Bulls over a stretch. I think Levine, between some of the teammates, DeRozan or not, I don't know the exact details on that, so I can't speak on it. But the overall relationship with some of his teammates and the coach is what eroded that situation entirely. And the ball doesn't stick anymore or hasn't over that stretch when he went out. Kobe White was playing really well. The ball moved around. When he wasn't on the floor and Zach was on the floor, the ball stuck and the offense wasn't there, and that's why they struggled. It feels like we've been talking about Sean Levine, or uh, I mean, Zach Levine in like a trade for trade rumors for like two years at this point now. Sean Little, great to talk to you again, man. Thanks for coming on with us. They appreciate it. Trista, I'll talk to you guys soon. Taking Sean Levine, a co-host of us sometimes, and Sean Little and Zach <laughs> Levine. It must must be 10-15 on the East Coast. Pet MGM tonight. <laughs> Sean Little, who jumped on with us. 91-77, the Grizzlies. The fighting Desmond Baines right now, Trista. He's got 21. They're just, they're fighting for Ja Morant the rest of the way. What if this rallies them? What if the Grizzlies go on an amazing... Okay, I'm probably not, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the box score... Our man Marcus Smart is doing his best to be the best tri- trade chip on the market he can be. Uh, yeah. He has got 23 points, four rebounds, one assist, two steals. That's pretty damn good. I don't know. Other than them, it's just a bunch of randoms scoring. You got David Roddy with 11, Luke Kennard with nine. Just everybody's got a little I don't even know who Vince Williams Jr. is. I've run I, into a player I'm their- not aware of. Their roster is just a collection of what looks like, like I feel like I'm looking at, I, I don't know, a, a G League roster or just a bunch of dudes on some rant. Like, yes, I recognize some of these names, but it just doesn't look like an NBA team. I, I and it's just, it it's bad. And the Mavericks without I mean, yeah. Derek Lively, not great. So I think that's a big issue. Kyrie's back. He has mm-hmm. 29 tonight. Luca has 19. Luke is not even close to hitting his prop, which I think was in the 30s. But, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe this is a bounce, dead cat bounce game for the Grizz. Well, Luke is 5 of 14 tonight. So what this means is the next game, take the over. Take the over on his points. Take the over on his threes. Just take the over on everything with Luca, because he's going to turn right back around and go the other way. Did you put that uh, that parlay in? I put it later? in. I did. I have yeah. Emmanuel quickly I think the ra- over... I think the ra- Go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I just th- I think the Raptors win the night, honestly. The Lakers are just a mess. Oh, abysmal. They did beat the Clippers the other night, though. Big win for them. Huge win. Also, they did. Scott, they did. Vince, Vince Williams Jr., Vince Williams' kid, VCU, second-round pick. Hasn't done a lot. I haven't been seeing him on the court. So he has seven <laughs> points tonight. Now he's got his chance. Now he's got his chance. So uh, you, did, did you know? So I didn't know. I love, like, the endorsements that sports books have with, like, people that don't even have anything to do with sports. There's a, a Vegas trip promotion right now with BetMGM with Bill Burr and Luke Combs. <laughs> I love it. I see it right up on the banner up there. It's a first off, love Bill Burr, one of my favorite comedians. Luke Combs, love Luke Combs. Both of them are great. So maybe when we're in Vegas, we get to hang out with Luke Combs and Bill Burr. I would love that if we could set this up. How long is that? like little soiree are you getting drinks with know. them are you getting dinner with no, them I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you it a little a clicky hotel? click and uh, see, see what we got going on this isn't even a live read I'm supposed to do I'm just bringing it up it's a big game big bash sweepstakes why haven't we had to talk about this yet this is something I'm interested in I want to hang out with Bill Burr and Luke Combs Scott find Same. out how we can do this I want to hang out with both of them maybe both they'll hang amazing. out with Bill Burr Luke Combs and the the co-hosts of BetMGM tonight as a kicker. I know you probably don't want to hang out with us, random person out of like Sioux Falls, but you're gonna. Why? Because we are also the king of sports books, the only sports book. <laughs> it's all I want. I want to hang out with those two. That's all we need. So there you go. It's just sometimes there's the random ones that just pop up. Although Bill Burr is a big sports fan, though. I do you know that? He talks about sports a lot. So. It's not like that's any huge surprise. Uh, all right, so we got at least – we know now officially, Trista, if we're looking at the super wild – super – sorry, let me try this again. Super wild card weekend in the NFL. So I have to emphasize it. I think that's what that's what they want us to do. No T.J. Watt. It has been made official today. There will be no T.J. Watt for the Steelers against the Bills. I – I just—I mean, that's like the one spot where you could have looked at the Steelers and said, all right, if you can get T.J. Watt to get, just get after Josh Allen and make some mistakes, that's your chance. I, I, that is, like, I know they had to play T.J. Watt in that game, right? But to have these guys in a meaningful game get hurt at the end of the season, if you're the Steelers, you just look around now and go, I mean, we lost our best player. Here we are. So I guess it comes down to Mason Rudolph leading this team back. I... There are a couple games I actually hate this weekend. I'm going to be honest with you. That's one of them. Like, the more and more I've thought about it tonight and we've talked about it, I actually really hate that game. I might take a couple of props, but I just don't know what to make of the Bills. We talked to Rhino Halloran earlier. If you missed that, it's on the podcast. Uh, it's just like you don't know what you're going to get from Josh Allen, and then it's like Mason Rudolph. There's a lot of variables in multiple games here, which is why I like the divisional round even more than Wild Card Weekend because you get more, like, you get teams that have won a playoff game and they're a little bit more secure and you've seen something from them in the playoffs. Wild Card Weekend always has one or two crapshoot games. This, to me, I think is one of those crapshoot games. I feel we should be able to el- immediately eliminate one team as a society. Just We don't want to see it. <laughs> we don't want it. Like Survivor, just, just vote them off? Vote them off. Yeah. You have been eliminated. Sorry, Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> You're done. Nobody wants to see that. I got asked by Buffalo whether I was coming to this game. And I was like, to the get against the Steelers? 
no, I'm not coming to that game. Are you serious? Absolutely effing not. I will wait for the Chiefs game uh, or the winner of the Browns uh, and the Texans game. I'll wait for that one. Goodness gracious. Oh, no. Also, quick update. Quick pivot to another sport. Scott just wrote us in the chat. Marcus Smart out the rest of the game with a right finger injury. Yuck. Oh, no. Here we go. Everybody's falling. They're dropping like flies in Memphis, Trista. They're going to have nobody left on that roster. I went on Memphis radio today, and all they asked, so I could I could hear them when, right before I came on, and they're like, we just hope Trista could come on and give us a pick-me-up. That's how sad things are. They just want me to find a oh. sliver of hope in it. And I said, oh, developmental minutes for G.G. Jackson. And they said, okay, we can roll with that. That is a tough thing, though. Like, when you're in a market that doesn't have, like, all four major sports, right, and you count on one team, and everybody's really excited about that season, especially with John Morant coming back, right? Like, there didn't it feel like there was a level of just – like, I don't know if they were going to get to the play. And it was a long road back for them. That was a big hill to climb. But John Morant did bring something to the table that obviously, even with that roster not being at full capacity, you said, dude, they could do something here. John Morant can put this team on his skinny little shoulders and carry them to the play-in tournament. And like that, it's all over. It, it's just wiped away. And it's now a meaningless season. And also a draft coming up where you're going to sit there and say, ah, we don't really even have like a game-changing, franchise-changing player for us to tank for. Yeah, you're right. I saw this stat. The NFC North is the only division in 80 years where everyone finished above 500. The Steelers were 5-1 and one in the North. That's outrageous. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, listen, seasons can change very quickly. We see what the Grizzlies did on that side of things. We see where the Eagles have gone, like multiple sports, right? Like think about how you can just see over a couple of months how everything can change for one team. Where the Eagles were 10 and 1, we're like, oh, you got some issues, right? There's some things there. And now we're going. They could lose to the Bucks. They could lose to Tampa right now. We look at the Grizzlies and say, well, when Ja Morant comes back, if they can maybe stay afloat, they're horrible. But then Ja comes back and you're going, oh my God, like maybe this team can get in the playing tournament. They just got to get in and then win some games. And now it's back to the basement of the NBA again. It's a, it's a, it's a long season in the NBA. I know it's 17 games in the NFL, but that's a long season too for a physical sport like that. And so much can change just week by week by week where we're riding high one week, right? Think of Ryan and the Packers. Ryan and the Packers has gone from, oh my God, I hate everybody, to Jordan Love is great, to nope, never mind, just kidding, they still suck, to Jordan Love is the greatest quarterback in the NFL. Like, that's the type of roller coaster you can have throughout all of these seasons with teams. And it's tough. It's tough to maintain this the entire way through. Yeah, it really is. It's hard to know. I mean, you look back at what our power rankings were, and the Eagles were at the top of the power rankings you know, on week five, week six, week seven, right? Yeah. A.J. Brown looked like the best Jeez. wide receiver on earth. Yeah, how many games over 100 yards consecutive? I think it was seven. And you have Devontae Smith as like the one-two punch. DeAndre Swift was playing at that time really well. The defense was getting after the quarterback, even though the offense wasn't functioning the same way that we thought. That it, because obviously both coordinators left, offensive and defensive, so things were still in flux to a degree. You're like, okay, well, they'll figure it out. They got all these pieces. And then you can't really quantify or predict the fact that I think they hate each other. I, I honestly think this team is coming apart at the seams, and they're turning on each other like wolves in a pack. 
it can I mean stuff can happen inside the locker room right that you don't know about and then that translates out there onto the field so that's not out of the realm of possibility that's the case you almost wonder like is it they're struggling so then they're having issues in the locker room or is it the other way around and sometimes you just never know these things but it's just it's just such a monster drop-off for this team where you you go where's the stability like Mike Tomlin and all the stuff the Steelers went through right like still in the playoffs He's able to keep that team together. And Nick Sirianni, for everything that he did well last year, this has been an utter disaster the second half of the season. Now, seeing people like, well, if they lose to the Bucs, could they fire their coach and Nick Sirianni be gone? Just want to, he just got them to a Super Bowl. Like, the, I, if, I, maybe if they get run off the field and it's like 35-6 to six and they lose to Tampa, maybe you decide to make that decision because you've got so many great potential coaching candidates that are going to be out there on the market. But I, I, I'm not going to go that far. I would actually be more concerned, and I want to know this from you because you're a Cowboys fan. I know you're a little jaded, but I actually feel like you're more level-headed about it where, like, you're realistic with your Cowboys. If the Cowboys lose to the Packers, I don't think they're going to, but let's just say that they did in that hypothetical world, and the Eagles lose to the Bucks, which coach is more likely to be fired, Nick Sirianni or Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy, because they were 8-0 yeah, at home. New. 8-0 at home, and then you lose to a team that needed some help to get into the playoffs. Just not ideal. you got Jordan Love. It's not like you're going up against Primer and Rodgers and losing at home. You're going up against a rookie. Like, like, this is his first playoff game, right? You've got a mm. bunch of young wide receivers, a young defense. If you get outcoached by LaFleur... Oh, I mean, there's definitely some hell to pay for somebody. I know that. And listen, let's be honest. Dan Quinn is going to get coaching looks. We want him to stay around. We want things yep. to stay stable, just as I'm sure the Ravens do with Mike McDonald, right? Is you don't want the core of this elite defense to leave out the door because we know how things can go. So, yeah, I think it would be the Cowboys for me, and I'm really hoping that I'm wrong and that the Cowboys just blow them out, and it's like, I don't know. 43-7. Like the Bucks game when the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers in Tampa and I was so scared and it was just a rout. That's what I want, Ashley. I don't even want to sweat this game. I you Listen, I know exactly how you feel. Honestly, I don't like sweats. I think sweats are overrated and they love when we sweat on this show and I hate it. Not a fan of it whatsoever. I'd rather just be calm, cool, and collected. You know, it's funny when exactly. you talk about Dan Quinn because I heard Jay, Jay Glazer talk on the Fox pregame show this Sunday that Dan Quinn had been saying for the last couple of years that he wanted to stay in Dallas. He was committed. This is now apparently the first offseason where he's like, yeah, I'm ready to get back in coaching again. So there's a good chance that Dan Quinn leaves for a head coaching job with Dallas or leaving Dallas to go take a head coaching job somewhere because his stock is still really, really high, and this feels like the right opportunity to go there. So you could be restructuring that coaching staff even if you still have Mike McCarthy there. Yeah, that's what we do. That's the kind of stuff we don't like. Because if yeah. you've got Dak playing at his best level since his rookie year and probably even better, he limited the t turnovers, you know, and nobody thought that he was going to be able to. So if you have to turn over a coaching staff and then start yeah. Dak all, basically all over again, oh, that's it's just, baby, I can't. I don't know if I can take it. That's that's one of the tougher things for quarterbacks to go through, right? And Dak's not a young quarterback anymore. And I really feel like we've seen him turn a corner and kind of take that next step as a quarterback where, like, the game is slowed down. He's gotten more comfortable. But there's also the temptation. And even if, the, let's say, the, 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 the Cowboys lose in the division round, right? And Jarrah's looking around. He's going, 
I see a lot of really good coaching candidates out there. I wonder if Jim Harbaugh would like to come down to good old Dallas and coach my team. He could be tempted to make a big splash this offseason, and it may take the Cowboys going, at least going to the Super Bowl for him to not look around and say, there's a lot out there that I could do that I just like, right? It looks shinier than Mike McCarthy does at this point. Yeah, I think that's right. There's a lot of coaches that are available that you can say, all right, maybe I'll take a stab with them. Like, I know that we've got a few names, Ben Johnson being one, Bobby Slowick being yeah. two, Lou Anarumo being three. Those are very hot names. And so if you're not confident that Mike McCarthy can get you to the promised land because he loses to his former team at home when you are a two-seed, and they squeaked in. Oh, I don't I don't know. I'm starting to talk myself into you having to fire him. You're starting to think about life after Mike McCarthy already. Maybe they just promote Dan Quinn. You just go after all that and you just bring Dan Quinn up and he be nope, nope, don't want it. Nope. If you no. if you if you had to like if if you were <laughs> your hair just went everywhere on that. If you had to pick a new head coach for the Packers or for the Packers, for the Cowboys. And I'm not even saying, like, specific guy. Are you looking for a coach that's been a head coach before, or do you want, like, a new offensive coordinator new. promoted to head coach? New. Yep. Absolutely yeah. new. And that's really the trend in the NFL now. You want somebody that's going to look at the game a different way than what we've seen before. The retreads, it's sometimes it works, but a lot of times you want that new voice. You want those new eyes. It makes a huge, huge difference. So, all right, we'll wrap things up next. It's BetMGM Tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL. MGM. You know, if you ever think your team is bad in the NBA, how about this? The Pistons have won three games all year. They were at one point up 20 on the Sacramento Kings. Yet, Trista, they found a way to lose to the Kings by 21. What a season. What a season. There are certain books that if you take that team to cover their number and they're up by 20, they will give you the bet no matter what. They'll call it a win. I think every book should do that because Detroit, if you back Detroit plus 11 and a half and they're up 20, you should absolutely win. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I just, they, they find, they find ways to lose in like that no other team can find these ways for. And I see this earlier, like they had the list of, because Eric Spolster just signed that big eight-year extension, $120 million. And they're talking about, you know, Greg Popovich has extension. And then the six-year, $78 million deal that Monty Williams signed in Detroit. Monty Williams at one point, when he signed his deal to be the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, highest paid coach in the NBA. They have three wins this year. Three wins. It's unbelievable. That just shows you Anybody could have done that. Anybody could have done that job. I think right. probably me and you could get the Detroit Pistons three wins. Trista, I think so. You know what I would do? I'd play Jaden Ivey more. Get him out of the damn doghouse. They need him on the floor more. We need more Jaden Ivey, damn it. Oh, real quick, too. Uh, Nebraska's up 71-62 with about eight minutes to go over Purdue, number one team in the country. Houston's the last unbeaten team in college basketball, but Purdue is the number one team until right now with Nebraska up nine on them. Not no mo. It looks like uh, Iowa State beat Houston tonight, 57-53. Oh. Didn't even catch up on that yet. So see, now we're starting. See, this is the thing. I 
I think you're very anybody that bets on college basketball this early early in the season is just very very brave. You really are because it's just it's so unpredictable. And you have nights like this where you think, oh yeah, Nebraska they're going to get rolled by Purdue. They're down nine right now with seven forty five to go. Duke's Duke's up big on Pittsburgh, but I mean. It's just any given night, you could have something completely wild like this happen, and I feel like it's happening more and more in college basketball now. Yeah, you never can predict what the motivation is for kids, right? It's just a totally different yeah. ball game, especially in basketball. Even in the NBA, we can't predict motivation or what's going on with them in their calendar, mm-hmm. like whether they're coming back from a road trip, is this a sleepy spot, etc. In college basketball, there's school to contend with and finals and yeah. holiday breaks and all kinds of stuff that can get you in real trouble if you're not looking at it very closely. Yeah, so it looks like right now with Houston now, they did go down 57-53, so their first loss of the season happens, and now the question becomes, can Purdue come back and win this game over Nebraska, or are they going to go down and have their second loss of the season? Draymond Green spoke today for the first time, too. He now says that he's going to he's cost his team too much, He's cost the organization enough. He's done with the antics. They tried to give him a standing ovation when he came back to practice, said he didn't deserve it. You buy into this? What do you think? You think he's going to be different? I listened to the entire Draymond Green podcast episode today. It was my first order of business. I did it while laying in bed. That's how important it was (laughs) to me, Ashton. I needed to know what Draymond Green had to say. There were a few takeaways. I think, number one, Draymond realizes that the pattern of thinking that he had was very self-destructive, which is that, one, people who criticize him are now his enemies. He will use that criticism as fuel to show them why they're wrong and why he continues to win and he's a champion. That's obviously the wrong mentality because plenty of people are rooting for you in the critique. Right, We're not hating on you to say, hey, it feels like Draymond Green might be going through some stuff, probably should talk it out with somebody. So I thought that was interesting. He also said that he has, they have therapists come in and psychoanalysts and sports psychologists and all these different people who come in and do meetings with the Warriors all season long, not just film sessions. And he said he's told his teammate for like, teammates for years He wanted to go to therapy, but he was terrified to go to therapy because he didn't know what he would uncover, which I think is like a lot of people. Hey, I don't know if I'm in a great uh, spot right now with work and life stuff to be digging up new stuff to work on, right? Let's not start any new projects right now. Kind of like Vince Vaughn. He's like, I think we can stop talking about mom for a little while. And uh, so Draymond's (laughs) is terrified of it and now he's gone to therapy as a result of the suspension and it's been super healthy and helpful we're gonna have to see we're gonna have to see basically in his actions the words were big again Mm. i'm gonna need to see it on the floor well we know how that is right actions speak louder than words it's an old cliche but it's true and like listen the Warriors we know are not the Warriors that they used to be, but Draymond Green is still massively important in this team, and they're still thinking playoffs, and they're still thinking that this isn't a lost season, and they shouldn't be thinking that it's a lost season. They need Draymond Green. Draymond Green is one of the smartest players that has ever stepped on a floor for an NBA game. His basketball IQ is incredibly high. He's also, I mean, when he just talks about basketball, he explains it in a way that very few people can. He's got a bright future once he's done playing in the media, whatever else he decides to do. But 
to he to get this right, this was starting to overshadow who he was as a player. This was starting to well, one, it took a toll obviously on the team, and it's not like we just saw it this year. I mean, it's gone on for years. We remember what happened in the finals when the Warriors were up three one against the Cavs back in 2016. So this has been that way for a long time. Lots of players, especially somebody like him, right? Second round pick, wasn't ever looked at as a star. It was Steve Kerr that really saw what his potential was, elevated his role, made him a starter the first year there, took David Lee out of the starting lineup, the rest is history. Guys that are in Draymond Green's position, they have that mindset of, I've got a chip on my shoulder. i got to prove myself and prove what I can do to everybody else because I believe that I can do it. But it's there's a limit, right? Like, you can start to take things too far and that mindset too far where it started to spill over into just self-destruction. I hope he's figured it out, but we know that it's three weeks is not going to be enough to like totally change who he is. But the fact that he's gone through that and apparently was thinking about retirement and then Adam Silver tried, convinced him not to retire and there's a lot of that going on there. He had a lot going on, clearly. And you hope that he's gotten it right and this really spills over into a much better season for him and the rest of the team because, look, the... The better that teams just that start, like he's still look, he's still a star. I know he's not the player that he used to be, and we say star. It's not like Steph Curry stars. He's a different type of player. But Draymond Green is is a massive part of the Warriors and their title run. To see him play well and watch him out, he's so much fun to watch. He's such a unique player. I think every NBA fan wants to see him out there on the court. Yeah, dude. I think Draymond at his best is uh, an impactful player. The Warriors in general, I don't know what their their updated win total is, but I would probably think about taking the under on it. They're just not a team that I can back right now while I still think the public likes them, so you're probably getting a good number on their win total in terms of like it's still, I would imagine, inflated, so you can get some value there. I, I'm not certain that Andrew Wiggins will ever return to the level that we saw him play in the championship season. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul's out eight weeks. He probably gets traded. If if we're being honest about this Warriors team, we're just waiting for them to die. That's it. Like, it's just a matter of time before everyone either gets traded or ages out and Steph's on this team by himself. There's really nothing left that they can do on the margins. Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody – don't like playing for Steve Kerr. Shocker. Steve Kerr's never been a guy to develop young talent. He likes guys who have been baked in the oven a little bit, who he can just plug and play. He doesn't want to have these guys play through mistakes, and they don't like that. So it's a tough team to bet on. It's a tough team to watch because on any given night, Steph Curry could be awesome, and sometimes he can go 0 for 9 from 3, which he's almost never done in his career, and now he's done two times in the last month. He's carrying a big workload, you know. We're not getting the same Clay Thompson that we used to before all the injuries, though we've seen flashes. But, yeah, at a certain point, like, just teams get old. And once they start to get old, that's also, like, the interesting part, right? If you're talking about, like, sports psychologists, this team is used to being dominant. They're used to being great. And now none of them are the same player. Uh, Steph's as close to being the same player in his prime as anybody on that roster. But even like you mentioned, right, there's a couple of nights where we've seen, like, uh, it's not. The, he's the closest one. So for them, just the mental side of this, right? Athletes, when they age, 
It's really, really tough for them to go through. Hell, it's tough for all of us to age, right? You're just like, oh, my back hurts, my hip hurts, everything's different. It's not the same that it used to be. Now, imagine being an elite athlete going through that. It's really, really tough. We watch players at the end of their career, right, struggle with the way that their roles became. Allen Iverson's always the one that comes to mind for me in the way that his career went late, bouncing around to a couple different teams, wanting to be a starter, then not a starter. Could have probably still played longer if he accepted that role. Carmelo Anthony didn't, and then he did, so... This team is already going through that mindset of, hey, we're not the team that we used to be. And that's just massively frustrating from a mental side of things, too. And it spills over onto the court. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you, you're going to see it more and more with this Warriors team. You're going to see it with this yeah. Lakers team as well. You know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are frustrated, too. Sean Little, who came on at the 10 o'clock hour, find that on our podcast. He talked about that. There needs to be a trade. You need to supplement some additional role players with these older guys. If you don't, then they have to shoulder the burden and they break down. So that's kind of where I'm at on the Warriors and the Lakers. I think the Warriors would be aggressive at the deadline, though, or at least try to be, don't you? I I think that they're going to do something. I don't know what that something is going to be. I think that they're in the market for Pascal Siakam as well. Mm. That would be a great fit. Because, I mean, at this point, it's clear, like, you're right, like you said, right? Steve Kerr doesn't like developing young players. They don't want to play for him. So just maximize whatever little bit of juice you have less that you can squeeze out of this orange the rest of the way. And then what we'll probably see is Steve Kerr trying to get everything he can out of this team. And when it's all said and done, he does the Bob Myers and he dips. It's probably what it is. Pascal, uh, really quick, I just watched Pascal Siakam get knocked out of the air and fall directly on his shoulder as we were talking about Pascal Siakam. Oh, jeez. That's, uh, yeah, that's not ideal. Yeah, I see that. God, so he got knocked out of the, yeah, that's, I mean, teams will still, uh, good guy. I haven't, all right, I'm going to see if I see the highlight yet. I'm sure it'll be everywhere in a couple of minutes. That's like one of the most dangerous plays in the NBA, man. You see guys going up like that, getting undercut, and just how many times have we seen that? Landing on your tailbone, your back, your head. Oh. oh. Horrible. It's brutal. Brutal. So, is it still raining over by you? Still pounding? It sounds like it's quieted down oh, over yeah. here. I still hear it on the roof. What about you, Ashu? It's, uh, it's out there, but it's not as loud as it used to be. But you got a very loud roof, you said. So, you can hear all of the rain coming down the whole way through, right? Old roof. Old roof. Hey, well, we stayed safe. That's the most important thing. We're back in studio tomorrow. It's BetMGM Tonight. <laughs>